Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. After losing the kids is when basically I hit the streets and kind of lost hope. And I wasn't expecting really to be where I am today. And it's all because one person believed in him. We're joined today by Adam Gillen. He's the owner of Pillar Drywall in Ontario. Now, his life wasn't always perfect. He lived on the streets, and it was during the time he was on the streets that he was dumpster diving, and he found a picture of Bambi. He brought this picture of Bambi into an antique store in Edmonton, and it was there that his life was changed forever. Now, we heard part of this story yesterday from Alexander Archibald, and today we're going to hear from Adam Gillen. He's going to share how this all came to be today on Connections. We're joined today by Adam Gillen. He is the owner of Pillar Drywall, a successful business in Ontario, but life wasn't always this way for Adam. You were formerly homeless. It's been over four years since you were out on the streets. Tell us a little bit about that time of your life, how you landed up on the streets, and eventually we're going to make our way around to get to where you are today. Um, I think it was just a lot of my, like, growing up, I was, um, uh, I've always had, like, uh, troubles with addiction. Um, so, uh, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. Like I, I had moved there for work. Uh, my mom and her boyfriend moved out there and they said it was like nice and lots of work out there. So I went out there, um, thinking I was going to get away from like trouble. Um, and I kind of just took the wrong path again. But at that time, um, uh, with addictions, it was just, it was hard. I was making good money and, uh, it just came easy to take the easy way out. So those addictions eventually landed you on the street, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about that time in your life, what that was like? Uh, it was pretty rough. Um, I was basically alone. I didn't have too many people, just like street friends. And um, uh, I just lived day by day, uh, um, pretty much just living for my addiction at the time, like just doing what I could to uh like it, at the at the at the time it was like the sometimes the drugs just kept you going and it helped but in the end it, it wasn't helping anything for those who don't really understand who have never been homeless or never dealt with addictions what are the realities of that what is it like to be out on the streets it's not it's not the it's not the best life um it's uh i'm sorry i'm not the best with uh, explaining how I feel or whatever, but, um, you're doing great. Thank yes. you. Um, <laughs> it's just tough. It's you, you do what you can. Like, um, I, I know a lot of the people, they were like, they would do illegal things, but I was just more trying to do the, like, I consider myself, I like, I, I would still work. So I would do like bottle picking, um, uh, in Alberta, any, anything you drink out of, you can get a refund for. So, uh, like I, I would, basically like just go into dumpsters and look for bottles and you know like a, a one bag of a garbage bag of bottles you can like get a meal at mcdonald's or something or mm. like for that like the hardcore alcoholics or whatever they could get their you know like, but I, I would always look for things and then especially like after i met alex um um and knowing that he would you know buy things that were you know he thought he could make something or whatever if it was worth it then that's I started doing that after 
I met Alex. One thing you haven't really talked about much, though, either, is during this time, too, you had family that was left behind as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I had three three kids. I I had, um, well, my, my girlfriend and I at the time. Um, and then because of my my behavior and the, what I like, my addiction, um, we had broken up and eventually had lost the kids to foster care, um, in Alberta. Um, and then eventually my mom got custody and she's, she's got custody still. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was pretty tough. That's after losing the kids is when basically I hit the streets and kind of lost hope. And I wasn't expecting really to be where I am today. You had mentioned Alex a few moments ago. Uh, Alex owns an antique shop, I guess, in Edmonton, and you're always looking for things to sell, returning bottles for food or finding things you could sell to antique shops or pawn shops. And uh, you walked in one day with, I don't know how to describe it, a painting. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about that. You walked into the shop and and what did you sell, Alex? It was a a Bambi cell from the movie Bambi. So it's like... um... Back back then, when they uh, made the cartoon movies, uh, they like each each frame was an actual hand painted uh, oh, like cartoon yeah, yeah. cell or whatever on like see through you know like see through film. Um, and so yeah, it was just we were. I found it in the dumpster, and uh, I went to one place, and they said it was just like it wasn't worth anything. So I had actually, I actually took it back. I just put it back where I found it, and it was there for about a week, and then. A couple of friends kept saying, where's that Bambi thing? And so I went back and got it and took it to Alex. And that's, he gave me 20 bucks and then eventually basically got my life back. Yeah. So it starts with 20 bucks, <laughs> but it doesn't end yeah. there, right? Like you sold no. it to Alex for 20 bucks. Away you go. Alex actually tracks you down later. What happened? Oh, well, I heard that he was looking for me. So. It, it was a while. I didn't know because I, like, I sold it to him. I wasn't expecting anything special to come out of it. Um, and then, yeah, I went to the shop, and he had mentioned that uh, he'd like to do a little interview the next day. So, I, I went out. I think I got some bottles. I um, went to the secondhand store, got a some clothes, <laughs> so I didn't look too dirty uh, in the interview. And that was the next day. Yeah. And lo and behold, he presented you with something. Tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah, an envelope uh, with uh, sixteen hundred dollars in it. I uh, definitely wasn't expecting that, and um, the news was there. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really um, like unbelievable. I definitely wasn't expecting. Um, what, what was it? What was it like for you to know that this complete stranger? cared enough about you to spend two weeks on the street looking for you and then to turn around he had promised you that if he made more money that you know he'd give you your half how awesome did that feel to know that he was willing to go that far to find you and to help you out i i couldn't really believe it it was uh it was amazing um it was kind of a a flame that was lit under me that day that uh i knew that um i had to change i had to Hmm. um you know, like not disappoint him and like other people that are supporting me. Yeah. And like, I mean, 
1600 bucks is a lot of money to anybody, right? But if you're going day to day, like trying to find enough bottles to return to the depot and stuff to, to get a cheeseburger or something like 16 bucks, that's like winning the lottery, I would imagine. And that was enough to just kind of get you started in a new direction. Was it? Yeah. Um, well, it was the beginning, beginning, um, of what he had planned. Uh, um, he basically took me to the bank so I could put it into the bank. Um, so I didn't have it on me. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. It's, it's, I, I was like, just dumbfounded. I couldn't, it was, it was like a miracle. Yeah. And the miracle and, didn't end there because no. he ended up providing you with enough cash after that as well. The other half of that money went towards a hotel for you, for clothing, yeah. For that, and then on top of that, he started a GoFundMe, and that was hugely successful. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about that. He didn't actually tell. Well, he did, he told me, but he didn't. <laughs> I didn't really know like the amounts or anything. Like I think he had an amount of I can't remember ten thousand or something. Um, but I was, yeah, I just it was, it was amazing. Like I couldn't, I'd never had that much money before in my life, and um. So I knew I had to do, I knew I had to change my life or like for some people having a lot of money isn't the best either. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially if you're struggling with addiction, right? It can be a pretty bad thing. So, so here you are four years later though. And yeah, you've turned your life around. You own a drywall company now and uh, you're getting your life back on track. How has that journey been the last four years? How have you gotten clean and how have you gotten to this point of owning a business? I still struggle with alcohol. I can admit that. Um, the drugs are far gone out of my life. Um, but so, I, I, you know, it's still a struggle. Uh, um, but st staying clean, I, I having an opportunity to possibly get my kids back. It's I have to do everything I can to, if that can happen, I want to make that happen. Um, um, so it's by staying sober is basically what I, my main plan. Um, it is tough though, but one day at a time. Yeah. Speaking of your kids and your family, another awesome thing, and you mentioned it a little bit is that you were reconnected. You were reconnected with your mom, reconnected with your kids. What was it like after all those years and thinking maybe, you know, they don't want to be a part of my life anymore? What was it like to reconnect? And was it hard to, you know, go back home and be with your family? Um, a little bit. It still is. I haven't even, it's been four years. I still haven't seen all my family. Um, uh, it was an issue with like me, like not having a license and that I have my license now and own a vehicle too. Like it's, it's kind of, it's weird, but for me, like after being on the streets, um, but it, I just didn't want to, I just felt like a failure, you know, being on the streets and uh, it was, I was just embarrassed. Hmm. Do you still struggle with, you know, feelings of shame and guilt looking at your past or even with the current struggles you're trying to get over? Do, do you feel hounded sometimes by those kind of feelings? Um, pretty much. It's, it's, it's kind of what I, whenever I have like a, an urge or whatever, I just think back on, I think back on those days and 
that pretty much helps me to get out of that mindset of taking the easy way out. It's much, it might be easier to have a drink or whatever, but at the end of the day, when, when I know I didn't, it's a much better feeling <laughs> and not having a, like a massive headache. What's been the biggest thing that's helped you get through all of this and get to where you are today? Um, my, my kids and, and a majority of it is just support of people that, um, are rooting me on and, um, you know, I, I don't want to disappoint. So I'm trying, trying my best to, to show everybody what, what can be done. I like, I like that you're a drywaller now because it kind of fits, right? Like you're rebuilding your life, you're building homes, you're, yeah, I like that kind of, it works well together. It's a good metaphor yeah. for your life. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of a family trade. My dad was a plasterer and ah. yeah, I quit school when I was young. So he, he had told me if I quit school, I have to work. So I'm, I'm glad at least I, I learned the trade. So. Yeah, my parent, when I was 16, my parents told me if I quit school, I had to work. So I kept going to school. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> good, good choice. Yeah. What does it feel like now to own this business and to be able to employ people? How does that feel for you now to be in this place? Uh, it feels good. Um, I'm still learning. Like, I know the trade, like, back in like the back of my hand, but the business part of things <laughs> is new um and then uh it's it's fun though i i I love doing it um i eventually would like to help in other ways but as soon as i get you know my feet firmly planted i'll be able to to do a lot more as well what do you say to people listening and maybe they're like you once were stuck in addiction. They want to get out, but they feel hopeless or helpless. Like they're never going to get out of the cycle. Any words of encouragement to people that are in that situation? I would, um, it is tough. I would say just take it day by day. Um, don't be afraid to ask Yeah. For, for help, which I knew I was, I, I'm shy and, um, a bit, I don't know if anti-social, but just uh, shy. So, um, I, it was hard. Well, I don't know. It, it was just tough. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to ask for help. Right. But it's hard to do it alone though. Right. Even harder to do it alone. So if you can get over that somehow and reach out, uh, it's a lot easier with people surrounding you and cheering you on. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Much easier. What's awesome in all of this still is that you and Alex too have made a relationship and you still talk to this day. Oh yeah. We, we message back and forth all the time and I know he's busy too, so I don't like bugging him a lot, but <laughs> he's, he's got a lot on his plate too. And, um, but yeah, we message a lot and, uh, he's planning a, a visit. He usually likes to visit every once in a while, but he's, yeah, he's a busy man. Little did you know, one little painting would lead to your whole entire life turning around. Yeah, Bambi. Yeah, Bambi. Eh? It all that, goes that back Bambi. to Bambi. <laughs> yeah. Tell us the name of your business and where you're located, and people in the area can uh, look you up and get you to do some work for them. Okay, uh, it's Pillar Drywall, uh, P-I-L-L-A-R, uh, Drywall and Interior Finishing. Um, and I'm in London, Ontario, and we do 
new new uh, uh, new work uh, renovations um, yeah, basically anything to do with drywall perfect thank you again for joining us you're welcome and thank you for joining us and for listening today don't forget to subscribe we'll talk to you again on connections